I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan before midnight here, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 2 a.m. Don't adjust your clocks. It is right. It is 11.03 in New York City on this Monday night. Maybe you're out and about in the city that never sleeps. There are a ton of people out at this hour. Maybe you're working on a weekend like usual. Me and Pat are too. Or maybe you're in the car on your way home from City Field after an exciting Mets win. We are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo studio here in Lower Manhattan. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best content only. And if it's over for you, I hope you guys had a great, safe 4th of July weekend. And if you are still celebrating today, the 5th, the observed holiday, thanks for making me, thanks for making us part of your holiday weekend. But if you're on your way home from City Field right now, and I know I would be if I were at that game that ended just about 45 minutes ago, The Mets took down the NL Central leading Brewers and their all-star pitcher Brandon Woodruff. And they nickeled and dimed him six hits, none of which were home runs. And a stellar performance from starting pitcher Tyler McGill. It wasn't without any late drama, though. In the eighth inning, the Mets loaded the bases with no outs and did not score. Then in the ninth, Edwin Diaz allowed the first two batters to get on and a run to score before he shut the Brewers down and stopped the bleeding. Oh, the agita if you're a Med fan. But the best news is this, that this was a great litmus test for the Mets. If the seeds had ended right now today, this would be the first round of the postseason for the Mets. This is the first round matchup, the Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Mets. And round one went to the Mets with Jacob deGrom, the best pitcher in all of baseball, whose T-shirt I'm wearing right now, on the bump for the Metropolitans tomorrow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. So on Sunday, MLB announced the full and official rosters for its all-star game at Coors Field on July 13th. Meet your New York City All-Star representatives that are going to get their game on and go play for the Yankees. Aaron Judge, starting right fielder in the AL. He was the second highest vote getter. That's a no-brainer. Garrett Cole, starting pitcher. He has had some issues with the sticky stuff crackdown era, which we will get to in a few minutes, but he's still good enough to make the team. Absolutely. And we'll see if Kevin Cash, the AL's manager, will start him because there are no Tampa Bay Rays pitchers playing in this year's game. Pitchers, that is. So, maybe. Aroldis Chapman, which to me is a total mistake. Will he blow that save too? Get it? Like in a game that no one cares about, that doesn't matter? I'm going to go with no because there isn't anything on the line. And by the way, DJ LeMahieu received a distant third place number of votes for second base. So no, there are no Yankees in the reserves. Then for the Mets, you've got Jacob deGrom and um, that's it. There are no Mets that made the NL reserve squad either. DeGrom told you that in, in receiving his fourth nomination, it's a huge honor. But he said he doesn't think it's smart to go pitch in the All-Star game. This may surprise some of you, but I agree with that. In the age of load management, and for a pitcher that is the best in the game of baseball, I 
really can understand why he would not want to pitch in this game. DeGrom is scheduled to start on uh, July 11th in Pittsburgh. The All-Star game is two days later in Denver. Don't forget that he's had his share of injuries, although mostly minor, throughout the season so far. An IL stint in May, a right flexor tendinitis and shoulder soreness in June. Let's not make it something else for July just because he pitched in the All-Star game instead of getting the rest that he needs to heal as properly and as possibly as he can in this window. For a Mets team with its sights set on a deep run in fall, this to me is a no-brainer. I do, though, think that DeGrom should be traveling to Colorado. I think it's going to be a really bad look for the sport of baseball if he doesn't, which, as all reports that I've seen, doesn't look like he's going to. Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher, some could argue, even player in the game at the moment. He needs to be there. He's pitching two days before the game, so as to not cause him any stress. I know, I can't can't believe I just said that. Just let him join the Mets late, either at the back end of their Pittsburgh trip or meet them in Cincinnati who the Mets kick off a series against on July 19th. These are not my decisions, obviously, but all I'm saying is accommodations could be made for DeGrom to make an appearance in Denver for that game. He wouldn't be flying commercial. They'll be going to put him on a private jet by himself. The league could afford to accommodate the best pitcher of my generation. And remember, I'm newly 33 years old, too young to appreciate Maddox. Oh, and I checked into it. Because DeGrom won't be playing, the official rules say that he does not need to be replaced by a member of the same team, just of the same position. The roster replacement is chosen by the league, and then the manager is in charge of managing the players on that roster. Which leads me to my next point. Taewon Walker was absolutely snubbed and is no guarantee to replace DeGrom. Luis Rojas has said of Walker, we hit the jackpot with this guy. I just wanted to remind you all that on November 8th of last year, I told you so. Brandon Nimmo, and by the way, he, only one team offered the guy a contract, the Mets. Brandon Nimmo said, man, this guy's really stinking good. And most recently, Rojas said that Walker and Edwin Diaz deserve a shot to be on that all-star game roster. For me, that was challenge accepted. Edwin Diaz. Although the 2020 version of him, 2021 version of him, is much improved as far as Mets fans are concerned, and maybe not after tonight. It was a little, a little heart, uh, heart attack inducing, a little agita inducing, but he came away with it. When you look at the bigger picture and you compare, his numbers are not better than the numbers of any of the 2021 NL All-Star relievers, and that being Kimbrel, Hader, Reyes, or Melanson. So as far as I'm concerned, there is not a case for Edwin Diaz, not this year. Now, I know that Taewon Walker has said prior to the roster release, it would be cool to make it, but my number one goal is to go out there and help the team win. So should he have made the All-Star Cup? Well, I did a deep dive into whether or not there is a case for him to have made that lineup. To do that, I compared his numbers against those of the other eight announced starting pitchers. I separated them then into three tiers. If you look at the top tier of the NL All-Star Game starters. Walker is not better than DeGrom. There isn't a single pitcher this year that is. He's also not better than San Francisco's Kevin Gosman. Walker has comparable numbers to Milwaukee's Corbin Burns, 
But Burns has 33 more strikeouts than Walker and just three innings less of work. But here's where it gets interesting. Forget the narratives that you've been hearing. You can make a really good case for how Taewon Walker's numbers stack up against the middle tier of all-star starting pitchers. That being Trevor Rogers from Miami, Zach Wheeler from Philadelphia, or Brandon Woodruff, who you just saw tonight in Milwaukee. Whether or not you agree with that, here is the black and white evaluation of how Walker stacks up against what I'm calling the bottom tier of NL All-Star Game starters. You Darvish, who's pitching in San Diego now, don't forget, and Herman Marquez in Colorado. Let's look at Darvish. Taewon Walker has the same win-loss record. A lower ERA, lower hits, and lower home runs per nine innings, and a much better strikeout-to-walk ratio. Okay, how about Marquez? Walker has a better win-loss record, a lower ERA, and better numbers for nine innings in, are you ready? Hits, walks, home runs, and strikeouts. So to summarize, of the eight pitchers selected to the NL All-Star starting roster, based on my calculations, Taewon Walker is worse than three of them, marginally better than or comparable to three more of them, and outright better than two of them. Case closed, right? Luis Rojas said of Walker and Diaz, I don't think they take it to another level where it's going to bother them. They'll be okay. But Walker, dude, I'm going to bat for you. I've got your back on this one. And while DeGrom technically fills the requirement that every team is represented in this year's game, It is the job of the commissioner's office to choose a replacement for him. MLB, do the right thing. Let Taewon Walker be the on-field Mets representative in Denver. He's earned it. And by the way, I heard on MLB Network today that Woodruff and Gosman aren't even planning on pitching in the game either. So with DeGrom's news, that opens up three spots for Walker. Oh, my God, and the Yankees. Katy Perry, I said it on my regular shift this past weekend, and I'll say it again now. The Yankees should be sellers at the trade deadline. Enough of watching this team circle the drain, concede, wave the white flag, and then blow it up. I know it's not a usual thing. During my lifetime, the Yankees were sellers only in 1989 and in 2016. That's it. I won't go back to 1989 because the game has exponentially changed since then. But the parallels to the 2016 team are uncanny. That year, at the August 1st trade deadline, the Yankees were 53-52 and and six games back in the AL East. Right now, 25 days before this trade deadline, the Yankees are 42-41 and and 10 games back in the AL East. And by the way, in both seasons, they were behind the Dodgers with the second-highest payroll in baseball. Is this the best team or the second-best team that money can buy? Absolutely not. I think Yankee fans, like in 2016, are on board with the 2021 fire sale. I put up a poll on my Twitter earlier today, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and here's what it said. I said, complete the sentence. Right now, the Yankees should be blank at the trade deadline. 14% of Yankee fans, or whoever, saw that poll on Twitter, said that the Yankees should be buyers. 
whereas 86% of people think the Yankees should be sellers. There were some write-in votes for neither, and a a username uh, at Orlando Aviles14, he wrote, right now the Yankees should be mathematically eliminated at the trade deadline. (laughs) Moving on. I think it's too early for me to put a real concrete name recommendation out there. I know you guys expect that from me, but there's still, again, 25 days to, to the trade deadline. There are uh, you know, still teams like the one in the Bronx that are trying to figure out if they are going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. Are they going to be in or are they going to be out? Let's give it one more week. And then if nothing changes, you blow it up. I can tell you, though, what type of player that I'd be looking for if I worked in the front office up there in River Avenue. One, consider this. I looked it up. Home runs hit at Yankee Stadium in this season. Righties, 97 of them. Impressive, right? Lefties, though, 155. That's this season. I know I'm not telling you or Brian Cashman anything new. The Yankees need a left-handed bat in the worst way. And I also compiled some stats from this weekend. In the Subway Series, the Mets sent out six true lefties and two switch hitters. And I didn't keep track of, you know, Lindor hit lefty or righty, so I just included them in this. So these eight batters combined at Yankee Stadium this past weekend hit 333 with one home run. 333. The highest three batting averages for the Yankees all belong to righties. Judge, 284, Urshela, 274, and DJ LeMahieu, 271. Again, they're all righties. Imagine what a left-handed bat would do in that order, at least just to break it up. I had on former Yankee pitcher Tanyan Sturds, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago at this, I mean two months ago at this point. He said right here on this show, that it matters to an opposing pitcher if you mix up lefty-righty, lefty-righty. Because he said pitchers are allowed to get into a groove if they're facing, you know, one-sided, you know, a hitter on one side of the plate without mixing it up. Pitchers can get into a groove. And maybe that's what we're seeing with the Yankees. And two, also consider this. This team is just not fast enough. They are too power-based. They have stolen the least amount of bases in the league at 17. And the Yankees are so one-dimensional as a team. And as a result, the defenses just have a really easy time with them. Fangraph, I'm about to go all nerd alert on you guys. Fangraph has a great base running metric called BSR. BSR. It tabulates everything from stolen bases to caught stealings and to other base running plays. Maybe you're taking an extra base on a hit in the gap. Maybe you're being thrown out on the bases, etc., whatever. And it weights them, too, like stealing third base over stealing second on a no-throw. Still a steal, technically, but different. Negative 14.7. That's the Yankees' number. It is the worst in the entire league. That means that the Yankees, based on their terrible base running, produce almost 15 runs below average on the base pass. Now, that's an indictment on the manager for not teaching base running. I mean, come on. I even I do it at the most elementary level. And it's also on the GM for not putting a team together that is a threat on the bases. The Yankees are last in the league 
and they are not striking fear into the hearts of any defenders, any pitchers, or any catchers, for that matter. And Mets fans, stop chuckling, because your number is negative 11.8, just one rung better than the Yankees. And it's time to talk about the Yankees and the sticky stuff. It's an issue. The Yankees have found themselves in a sticky situation regarding this crackdown on illegal substances. Major League Baseball started to enforce the rules on June 21st. So I studied both Garrett Cole and Aroldis Chapman, the Yankees' two most egregious drop-offs before and after the crackdown began on that fateful Monday night. That date, June 21st, is the date of delineation that I used in my stat gathering. Makes sense, right? And I can send this out on Twitter on the break and on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. Uh, The little charts that I made. But for now, I'm going to tell you this. For Garrett Cole, he hasn't won a game since. Opponents, since the crackdown, opponents' batting averages have gone up. His strikeouts per nine have gone down. His walks per game have over quadrupled. And most staggeringly, His ERA has just about tripled. And going into his most recent start against the Mets, I'm sure you heard it, Cole had allowed as many earned runs in his last two starts as Jacob deGrom has allowed all season long. And for Chapman, listen, I know we're looking at a really small sample size, but it's even more egregious. But let me first ask, how tired are you, Yankee fans, of seeing that face, that oops, I did it again, face of Aroldis Chapman after he gives up a a game-winning, game-tying home run. Did you see the meme I made this weekend after he blew it again? Chapman coughed up three home runs in 29 appearances before the crackdown. In his appearances since, only three of them, he's given up two home runs already. One, of course, was the grand slam against the Angels. And Chapman had never given up a grand slam in his entire career. He's 33 years old, and he's in his 12th baseball season. I know it's a small sample size, but his ERA is a 60.75. 60.75. His walks per nine innings is 10 times what it was before the crackdown. And the hitter's batting average against him is 500. Actually better, 556. Aaron Boone, after that Sunday game, said, We can't get to where we want to go without those guys. Well, he's actually right. Both were booed off their home mound in that in that Subway Series game on Sunday, and understandably so. You don't. If you're the Yankees, you need to come away with a win when you have those two heavyweights in the game. The Yankees couldn't do it. My concern, from a coaching standpoint, is just their mental ability to overcome this, which is clearly affecting their physical ability. Their confidence is shaken. That's clear. But it also doesn't help that this is a mid-season crackdown, but old habits die hard, right? And I was thinking, the memo did go out prior to this season starting. So I also was thinking, why not stop this stuff then? Why not start practicing without the sticky stuff in spring training just to get used to it? For that answer, I'd have to go directly to the sources. I don't have it for you right now. Immediately after Game 1 on Sunday, it was announced that Aroldis Chapman and Garrett Cole had been selected as AL All-Stars. Oh, the irony. 
So, let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. It's time to eat your 11.22 p.m. snacks. I can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. Before midnight, on the fan in New York City. I'm too turned up. Well, this is usually the song. This is usually, you know, I'm working on a weekend, usually with Pat on the weekend. But, you know, it's not the weekend. It's Monday. This feels different. It feels weird a little bit to be here. There's a lot of people out on the streets. You know, pedestrians crossing all over the place. It's it's just a little different world. But I like it. I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. Um, for Mets fans, I have something for you here. Uh, just continuing with that thought here, and then we'll get to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. If the lines are busy, which they might be, it's uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. You can reach me there. Um, I really don't check Facebook during the show. It's 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 kind of hard, actually, the way that they have it set up. But uh, at Coach, uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan there. So for the Mets fans, maybe you're driving home from the game right now. The next logical question in the Taewon Walker-Edwin Diaz saga here is, uh, okay, uh, how about Marcus Stroman for the All-Star game? Marcus Stroman should be uh, nominated to the All-Star game. Forget, forget Walker. It's a good question. And here's my response. I compared them in one, two, three, four, five categories, uh, Stroman and Walker. Walker has a lower ERA, lower hits per nine average, lower home runs per nine average and a lower strikeout per nine average. The only thing that Stroman is better in in those five categories, which I deem are, are, are pretty important for a starting pitcher, the only thing Stroman's better in is, is he has less walks per nine innings, just barely less, by the way. So it's still Taewon Walker for me, everybody. Give him that all-star game spot, as far as I'm concerned. If what's-his-name's not going to be pitching in it, DeGrom, if he's not even going to go, well, then Walker it is. Okay, let's go out to Deer Park, New York. Justin is a Yankee fan, so that means he is our DJ LeMayhew leadoff caller of the night. Justin, what is up? I'm good. I'm glad this haven't spread. I'm spoken to in a while. Just not easy always staying up until 2 a.m. I know, I know, but this is a good time. I'm glad you're a part of the this show. What do you got for me today? I was at the game yesterday. What? Followed the Chapman. He came out looking good from 96, 97, typical. Looked good. Second pitch, that would have been a strike. If that was going to be a strike when the Alonzo homered. And what's the problem with Shaman? Is it mental? Is he physically hurt and he's just not telling the team and wants to try playing through it? Justin, I think that's a good point. I think I think he could be hurt. You might see it come out that he's hurt and he's just not telling the team. That's a good point. I know your dad's a doctor and everything. Maybe. Maybe that's it. But... Did you listen to the open? It was the spider tack. This spider tack, this whole sticky stuff. I mean, these numbers aren't just indicative of an injury. They might say, oh, yeah, we're going to put him on the 10-day IL retroactive to whatever yesterday, July 4th. They might. But maybe they should, I don't know, let him practice without the spider tack. That, that's it. I think that has more of an impact than any injury can have on a pitcher. It's a physical differential, and it, and it's a mental differential as well. If you get up there and you're like, oh, man, I'm not using my sticky stuff, I don't really want to put this fastball in in this situation. And so you go to an off-speed pitch, and boom, it ends up in the seats. And I think that's what's going on with Aroldis Chapman. But I'm not in the clubhouse. I'm not in the dugout. I'm not on the coaching staff. But from afar, that's what it looks like to me. Kevin in Camden, you're, you're Aaron Judge of the night, Kevin. What is up? I'm good, Coach. Well, wait, Kevin, I'm glad. You know what, though? 
you're you're a Lindor. You're a Mets fan. You're a Lindor fan. You're our uh, Lindor of the night. Yeah, yeah. Let's say he's doing a lot better. He's about last 25 games, 268 batting average. I'll, I told you it was going to happen. I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Did I not tell you it was going to happen? You, you did. Okay. So you did say it. And <laughs> I, I, again, you know what you're talking about. That's why I love it. Well, thank you. No, I'm going to start with the Mets because I'm going to. Ever since Brandon Nimmo came back, they got a whole new lease on life. Like the whole, they're like awake. The offense is awake, and they're they're like a, a well-built machine when she's come back. Which I'm very happy with that. You know, I, I have confidence in the team. I told Lori yesterday that they they have co- I have confidence that they're going to make a run here. I really feel it with Nimmo back. Yeah, and, and I think I, you can see a difference here. Yeah, really he's, like he's definitely the uh, the spark plug that that team kind of sort of needed, the kick in the butt that that team needed. You know, Kevin, yeah, what, what I like about this Mets team, and I've said it, but it's, it's proof is in the pudding. I mean, even tonight, uh, I, I could say tonight because the game was ended about an hour ago. Yeah. Um, they they scored four runs and not one of them was a home run. The one game they they put together fourteen hits and won won the game two nights ago. So that's what's most intriguing to me about this Mets team that they are able to manufacture runs and that that that's well, a home run too. Right. That that goes long into the postseason as far as I'm concerned. All right. Now I'm going to go with the Yankees because I'm going to take them on task here. Mister Chat, look, Chapman gave up the home run. He's what is with the smiling? Okay. What is with him <laughs> smiling after every home run? Like, I saw the, the 2017 with... Uh, Jose Altuve. I mean, what are you smiling about? There's nothing to be happy about. I know. Now, I, I, did, some re- I did some research on my own. I, I don't... You know, I do my homework, as you know. Ever since... In, in my opinion... You could tell me if I'm wrong. In my opinion, since the 2016 World Series, when Chapman pitched, like, every freaking day, he hasn't been the same pitcher. For me, he has not been the same pitcher. I don't know if it's because he pitched every day and he was just physically exhausted... I don't know if it's just because his confidence got shot somewhat, but for me, since the uh, 16 World Series, he has not been the same. I don't know what's going on with him, but it's uh, something's just not right. I, 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 ever since ever since that year, he just hasn't been the same Chapman that he was when he came up. Yeah, and, and that's and Kevin. Thanks for the call. That is uh, a major problem with the Yankees at this moment in time because Aroldis Chapman is not Aro- the same Aroldis Chapman that was when he came up. You're right. You're right, Kevin. You do your homework. That's exactly right. Compound that now with the fact that, let's be honest, he was cheating a little bit. And then the crackdown started. And now you got to send the guy to a psychologist. Because I think it's more mental than anything. And, and where do you go from here? I'll tell you where you go from here. You make Chad Green from here on out. You make Chad Green your closer. Because he ended that Met game, uh, this, I guess it was the second Met game on Sunday. Not only did he end it 1-2-3, he ended it on an immaculate inning. That means three batters, nine pitches, game over. Chad Green's your, your closer moving forward. As far as I'm Aaron, as far as, um, as, if I'm Aaron Boone, as far as I'm concerned, I'm making Chad Green my closer. Forget about uh, a role to Chapman at this point. The guy right now, right now, damaged goods. Rob in Babylon, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel, good to speak with you. It's always a pleasure. Of course. And I'm, and and I love um you know what you what you your, your and analytical um things that you speak about. Thanks. Uh, I want to say something. Um, we got. I remember when the Yankees acquired like you know the Ray Sanchez and the 
Gleyber Torres when he came and, you know, did whatever. He, we, we, we're kind of like just like getting off to a thing of that we supposedly expect to have everything normal. We got it. We can't. We can't forget Danielle that we just been through some something that we've never, you know, experienced in life. And so it, it might be associated with maybe these guys got the vaccine, got vaccinated, and they, and it's a, you know it's a, a kickoff from that. And not only that, like when you when you when you're performing and when you're doing performance in front of a crowd of people, you got to remember that. One at one point there were no people in the crowd, and then all of a sudden now the expectations of you performing, being out there on that big stage, you know, especially when you're speaking about the Yankees, you know that 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 deals with a lot of pressure, and 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 I get so I know I feel so bad for these guys, and you know something I, as far as with that sticky stuff, like I spoke with Boomer uh, earlier in the week, and I spoke about how. Uh, gluten, they might as well make it a gluten-free uh, on that hill because for the simple fact that sugar is gluten, and we all know that that's sticky. You can have a, a, a mouthful of gum, a mouthful of uh, gummy bears, if you will, and put your, your your fingers in your mouth to so, you know, get your grip on, but at the end of the day, you're putting that sugar on that ball because sugar is very sticky, you know. Yeah, I, Rob, listen, listen. I'm not blaming the Yankees' poor play on the pandemic. I'm not blaming the Yankees' poor play on the vaccine. Um, I think that's just a poor take right there, first of all, because everybody lived through it. Everybody in the world lived through it, and we are still living through it. That's not an excuse. My solution, and if you listen to the Todd Fraser interview I did about two weeks ago for my homegrown Olympian segment, my solution is this. You give the pitchers, and I know we have to go to break, but let me just explain this. Uh, You give the pitchers... With pitcher input, position player input, everybody has an essay in this. You develop because Major League Baseball bought out Rawlings, who makes the baseballs. This isn't hard. You make and you design five covers. Five. Oh, let's just say five. Three, four, five, ten covers for a baseball with increasing stickiness to them. Right? Smooth ones all the way up to really, really tacky ones like they use in, in the Korean League. And you allow the pitcher to select which one they want to use. If they get caught with anything, they're out. Done. Deal. Game over. That's my solution. Sign me up. Bring me over to, to Rob Manfred's office. I'm, I'm taking it to it. And we are going to take it to our first, or second, I guess that is, commercial break here. I, uh, I know we've been focused a lot on the Yankees and the Mets, but I must fill you in about my Phillies. No, not the Philadelphia ones the women's league team that I play on. We had a game a few hours ago, kind of. I'll give you the latest on how I did. Stay tuned. Before midnight here on the fan, Pat Boyle on the ones and twos, on the phone, give me a call, 877-337-6666. You know, again, I didn't pick the team name, so don't kill me. But I had a women's league softball game on my schedule for tonight, on my Phillies team just a few short hours ago. Shout out to my Phillies team. I know some of them are tuning in right now. And if you missed it, you know, last week, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I was four for four, three RBIs, two runs scored, and unassisted 6-3 double play. So how did I play tonight? I know we lost last week, but how do we do tonight? Well, I was over, actually, 
We didn't play because the other team didn't show up. <laughs> uh, they were still on uh, Fourth of July weekend, and the other team didn't show up. So uh, I guess we ended up getting a forfeiture win. We ended up having a little practice, and I used a composite bat for the first time. I got to buy myself one of them. I mean, we just had a little batting practice, fielding, whatever. A composite bat. I mean, talk about exit velocity. Velocity. Oh man, 100 miles an hour off the bat. I'm sure. <laughs> I know somebody they're listening to me right now. Um, yeah, the composite bats are something else. It's the first time I ever used one. And I think I'm going to invest in one. So uh, I'll take your suggestions if you guys uh, – the one I used tonight was pretty good, but if you guys have a good one you want to suggest it, send it over at Coach McCartan on Twitter, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, or on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan because those bats, the ball jumps off of them. And then that means I'm going to have it ready – Ready to go for when uh, the Boomer and Geo team call, comes calling, which I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. But I'll be back here Friday morning from uh, 1 to 5 a.m., which means I'll probably run into Boomer Esiason. So I'm sitting in his chair right now. I'll get the I'll get the download there. We'll see. So tune in if you guys want to know. <laughs> I'm dying to know, too. All right, 877-337-6666 is the number. Oh, Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, I need to send you one of my crystal bats of the New York Mets. Oh, I know. <laughs> you got the good one. They only had, they had two. This was about maybe seven or eight years ago. And when I went to the store uh, at City Field, I bought the crystal bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a regular size bat. Very expensive. I can't. I can't tell you how much I paid for it, but when I put it in the window by the light, you can see all those different light colors come in. That's cool. So that's a good thing. (laughs) Anyway, let's go ahead to the baseball questions, and let's have two things to share with you. Okay. Do I have a trivia question? All right. Here we go. All right. Now, there were three players uh, in Major League Baseball that were the managers for the Mets and the Yankees. The first one was Casey Stingle. Who were the other two? I know I know Yogi Bear is one of them. Um Okay, you got one more to go. <sighs> stab here. Joe Torrey, I know that's not right. You got it. You I got really it. you got all three right. Look at this, Vernon. I'm on a roll, man. <laughs> you are you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh before I get to my question to you, did you hear what happened to Keith Hernandez? Yeah, I heard it on the broadcast. He was trimming his rose bushes and then ended up with stitches in his big toe. Yeah, he he fell into the um, jacuzzi. Oh, is that what and happened? He had to go to, yeah, he had to go to the hospital, and he had to get eight stitches on his big toe. So they put up a cartoon on TV of showing Mr. Met and Mrs. Met visiting him mm-hmm. with him with his foot in the air. <laughs> so I guess I guess he'll tell you about the story on Thursday when he comes in regarding those eight stitches on his big toe. Oh, my God. He's going to be rolling in with a Dom Smith uh, <laughs> contraption. <laughs> well, the only thing I think of is that he's going to come in with a boot. Definitely. That's the only way so it won't bend the toe. Or they have what they just mentioned, a little wheel car. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, here's my question for you. Mm. You are now the manager of the Mets right now, and you're coming close to the deadline for trading. Mm -hmm. 
Would you trade any of the Mets players? And if you do, who would you trade them for? Or you decide, I got the team I want. I'm not going to trade nobody. That's my question for you. I'm going to hang up and have a nice day, Daniel. You too, Vernon. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think we're at that point, almost at that point, for both the Mets and the Yankees. The Yankees are still deciding if they're going to be buyers or sellers. That's the first thing. But what do you do if you're the manager or the GM, really, of the Mets? Uh, I would pretty much keep it intact, honestly. Um, if I were the Mets, I would look to add uh, probably a power bat in the lineup and potentially a, a, a back end of the rotation sort of guy. Although Tyler McGill, uh, I'd like to see what he does over the next week or two. He might fill that spot internally. But if anybody's on the chopping block, and I've said it before for the Mets, it's going to be J.D. Davis when he comes back. The guy is a prototypical designated hitter. He's not a left fielder. He's not really a third baseman either. He's a DH. And if the Mets can move him to, let's just say, an AL team, I think that would be best-case scenario. So when I do my studying over the next, I don't know, week or so, week and a half maybe, I'm going to really focus in on, on the third base position for the Mets because I think they can they can fortify that position. There's, it's only so far that, that uh, VR can, can get you, right? Um, defensively, he's good, but offensively, his bat is sort of lacking. So uh, I'm looking at third base with a big bat. I'm looking at the back end of the starting pitching rotation. You know, right now, I don't have any names for you right now, honestly, because right now, teams are still deciding if they're buyers or sellers. So... You know, you look at the, the Colorado Rockies. You look at, I don't know, some of these, the, the Minnesota Twins. The Cubs have lost, what, 10 in a row or, or 10 of their last 11 or something like that. They might be sellers. So, you know, we just don't know just yet what's going uh, to be on the market, who's going to be on the market, which teams are sellers, which teams are buyers. But if I were the Mets, in theory, that's what I would be looking at right now. Okay, any order that you guys call, let's go. Mark in Miami, you're up next on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, in your opening statement, I checked every box for every point that you made. Yes. Because let me tell you, this situation here with the Yankees is just unbearable. Yes. I mean, they're unwatchable. Uh, You've got no leadership in that dugout. And I don't know if you saw today, there was a TikTok post from Hal Steinbrenner. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, and he comes out and he says, well, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, the team that Cashman put together and Aaron Boone. And he says, you know, you can't, you know, you can't have uh, problems with them when the players aren't performing on the field. Was it real? Was that real? Because I just looked up Hal Steinbrenner on TikTok and, and it's just like parodies that came out. I don't, I don't think he has one. Yeah, no, it, it, it was because he uh, he turns around and he says, you know, these players need to perform. It's no one else's fault but the players. Oh, I know what you're talking about. So someone must have mashed up his press conference from the other day on TikTok. I got you. Yeah, he said he came down and he said it's the players' problem. Right. It, it, yes. when, you, when you when you hear these things, yeah, you have to think about think about these teams. Okay, you can't fire the old players. Okay, but mm-hmm. you need leadership in that dugout. And, and the point I want to make about uh, Garrett Cole, 
Okay, the, I think the Yankees made a huge mistake with this signing. Okay, because bottom line, yeah, he's the ace on this staff because the staff stinks. Okay, <laughs> wow. he's been a big disappointment since he's come to the Bronx. And, and and you know what, the Yankee team better shake something up because if you look at the next five series that they're going to play, Seattle, Houston, yes. Boston, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Rays, oh, by the time these series are over, they're going to be so far out of it, it won't be funny. Yeah, I know, Mark, and great point there. Listen, I'm not labeling Garrett Cole as a bust. Uh, for, not, for sure I'm not. He's... Obviously, he got caught using some stuff that he was overly reliant on. We'll put it that way. He'll figure it out. The guy's a pitching nerd. He'll figure it out. I'm not ready to label him a bust, really. I mean, he was excellent last year. Excellent. And now this stuff comes out, and he's not so good. But he's a pitching nerd. Yes, uh, I I truly think that he's going to come out on the other side of that. I'm not so sure about Chapman, but... I'm not labeling Garrett Cole a bust. The guy's an ace. Yeah, the the rest of the the, uh, the um, starting rotation does kind of stink, but he, Eric, Garrett Cole is an ace on most teams, honestly, across the league. I would say on at least eight teams off the top of my head, he would be the number one starter at least ten teams potentially, right off the top of the bat. And then when you look at the upcoming schedule for the Yankees, you got the Seattle Mariners, three games, three. These are all the way at Seattle, three games in Houston. You got the All-Star break, and then you got Boston, Philadelphia, Boston, Tampa Bay. What a stretch! And that brings you right up to the trade deadline. If they're they're lucky, if they they become uh, you know come 500 out of that stretch. And we are about to hit the top of the hour break here. We've got an update from Kevin Dexter coming up in a few minutes. Stick with us. I'm Daniel McCartan. At midnight <laughs> here on the fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan. Now it is after midnight here on the fan in New York City. Thanks for tuning in. I like this 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 earlier hour. I hope you guys too. I'm getting lots of tweets at Coach M C C A R T A N. Keep them coming. And keep the phone calls coming as well, 877-337-6666. Pat Boyle's shift is up. He is heading out. But Kevin Wall, you're in good hands with Kevin Wall. He is now taking over through the rest of the show. So give Kevin a shout. You know, if anybody tells you New York is not a baseball town, I mean, punch him in the face. Because we have been wall-to-wall. The past two shows that I've done, which is now five consecutive hours, has been entirely about baseball. And I love it. Baseball is my favorite sport, you guys. Know that, I think. Um, the Yankees and the Mets are definitely trending in two different directions. The Yankees are looking more likely than not to be sellers at the trade deadline. I suggested it last week, and, and I think I'm going to stick with it. And we're going to see how this next couple, stretch of games goes, but it, it's not it's it's not boding well for the Yankees. I believe they will be sellers at the deadline. And... Um, I, kinda, I put a poll out to you guys earlier uh, earlier on Saturday, and I gave you four options because that's, Twitter only allows you to have four options. So I asked you which players are 
would um, would give you the best return if you're the Yankees. And I don't foresee them trading Aaron Judge. I mean, the guy's the face of the franchise. I know that doesn't all the way matter all the time. But he's he, to me, is the guy that you, you build around. So my, my four choices were which Yankees player would solicit the best return at the deadline, and then you could put some right-in ones, too. So I gave you the choices of Sanchez, Torres, Voigt, Warren Duhar. And a landslide victory was Glaber Torres. I just, again, want to remind you the vitriol that was directed my way when in this offseason I suggested trading Glaber Torres. You can look it up online. You can see it. I pretty much answer every single tweet that comes my way. And now, Yankee fans, he's the first one you're going to ship off. And you know what? I would do it too. Looking at, as I mentioned in February, looking at the free agent class of shortstops that are coming up, there are many of them, and there are many good ones, good shortstops coming up. So my plan, as I told you on this weekend, blow past that that luxury tax that uh, threshold. Go get yourself a, a real shortstop and trade Glaber Torres for some uh, for some assets. That would be the goal. I think Luke Voigt is pretty dispensable too, especially since DJ LeMay, who can play first base as well, get something for him too. So. Uh, I got a tweet from at Reinhold Brill. He said, uh, in response to this, he said, easy choice. All teams will see Torres as real young. Tons of potential that peaked out two years ago and believe that the Yanks completely mismanaged and screwed him up by moving to an, him to an unfamiliar and high-stress position. That's probably part of it, too. I mean, when you move to be the shortstop of the New York Yankees, I know he came up as a shortstop, but he made his bread and butter as a second baseman in the MLB. And here he is now playing shortstop. It affected him early. You saw it. And he hasn't really ever regained his step. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Bring Didi Gregorius back, will you? That was a mistake, letting him go. As far as the Mets, the Mets are just in, in tweaking mode. They're just going to tweak. I think their lineup is pretty good. Maybe another power bat. Maybe a back end of the rotation, dude. But But that's it. And, and and not to mention that Carlos Carrasco probably, I heard today, by the end of the month he'll be back. And probably shortly thereafter, well, probably about a month after him, September 1st, I think, is the, is the, is the goal for Noah Syndergaard. So that's like adding two arms at the deadline without actually giving up anything. So I think the Mets are in a pretty good spot. And I, I wanted to tell you guys, you know, I don't really bet a lot, a lot. But when I do, that feels like one of those beer commercials. But I made a bet on Halloween, October 31st. I put $20, which is a big bet for me. That's the biggest I think I've ever done, except for that time I messed up on the Bucks bet. I actually put it through three times, not thinking it went through. I ended up winning the bet, which is pretty cool, and I paid for a nice dinner in Vegas for me and my friend. But I put $20 on the Mets to win the World Series on Halloween. They were at plus 2,500 odds. The payout, if the Mets win the World Series, plus uh, I'd be up $520. That includes my stake. $520 I would win if the Mets win. Right now, the cash-out option is $40. Deal or no deal? Boom, no deal. Not doing it. Mets 2021 World Series. Let's do it. Back to the phones, 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Jeff in the Bronx, you're up next on the fan. 
Hey, Coach, how you doing this evening? What's up, Jeff? Hey, um, a, a couple quick points on the Met game and then a point, a point or two about who they can acquire maybe before the trade deadline. Yes. But, you know, the game today, a big uh, gutty win. You know, you're facing a pitcher who, you know, with DeGrom probably not being able to start, arguably might be the starting pitcher for the National League in the All-Star game. And, you know, they it's 1-1 and they scored three runs in the bottom of the seventh. And it was just, you know, just, uh, you know, Diaz, you know, maybe it was a little rust. But he just, you know, once he got the runners on, he looked electric. And I wanted to ask you about the game. I know Mets Twitter hated it, but I wasn't that upset about the bunt by Lindor. You know, there was a runner on second. Yes. And you know what? You've got to find a way to tie that game up. You know what? And very few superstars would do something like that. You know, Jeff, so. and, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Jeff, the bunt by Francisco Lindor. And he's been doing it. I think that was his sixth, if I'm not mistaken, sixth uh, sacrifice bunt. Of, of the season so far, here's the situation. Bottom of the fourth. I highlighted this in my notes. Jeff, good for you. Bottom of the fourth, Brandon Nimmo hits a leadoff double down the left field line. And then Lindor drops a bunt down the third baseline. It wasn't really the line. It kind of went to the pitcher, but he was almost safe at first. It was like sort of like a high throw, and it almost took the first baseman off the bag. That was the first out, but... It sent Nimmo, who's probably the Mets' fastest runner, I, I would venture to guess. He's, I think he's eighth fastest in the league. Don't, don't quote me on that. But he's a really fast runner. Put him on third base. So now you got one out runner on third. At that point, the score was one nothing. I don't care what Mets Twitter has to say. Jeff, I'm with you. I wrote, wow, look at the Mets trying to manufacture a run here. And lo and behold, Dom Smith gets up to bat. Sacrifice fly. To, to Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field, which he's got a great cannon for an arm. Brandon Nimmo was like, no match for me. He didn't even have to slide. 1-1 one, one tie. So, and then the next, it was like, it was like, if he, if that wasn't done, executed. I don't know if the Mets come out of that inning with a run. I think it's a one nothing game. And with the, the ace, Woodruff on the mound for the Brewers, I don't, I'm not sure the Mets, it's a different complexion of the game. Let's just put it that way. So I don't care what Mets Twitter was having. I loved it. Francisco Lindor laying down that bunt, that sacrifice bunt, I loved it. Every single part of it. Mike in Blowbelt, you're up next on the fan. Oh, hi. Hi, Danielle. Um, I just wanted to talk about the um, All-Star game coming up yeah. and about the um, Yankees. I was, in, I was in a game, you know, I'm the big Astro fan, as you know, yeah. you remember. And... Uh, and I was at the game at the Astro when I told you I didn't see any any of the ballots, but but it was it's done differently this year. Everything's online, yes. right? Yes. Oh, because I'm not a computer person, and uh, it's funny you should mention that the Mets. You had your little bet with the Mets because I was rooting for a Met Astro World Series. I I, I remember telling you that, yeah. and uh, and that would be something cool. The two teams coming in the same time. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, it would be. I I think the Astros. Uh, I. I... I mean, they're playing well. Let's just put it that way. They are. They are. They are at this time. And uh, and Cole has to pitch against them, um, you know. On, I mean, he's scheduled to go against them on, on Friday. Uh, am I right? Uh, they put up the probable pitchers already? I would imagine. I would imagine he's going to pitch because he pitched Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah. The way the rotation goes, yeah, sure. I, I yeah, thought you I had seen it. I would imagine that. Mm-hmm. And, 
I don't see the Yankees getting back in this thing. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs. The only time I remember was in 2008, the last year at the stadium, and in 2016, if I'm correct. Yes. I read that somewhere. So I, it looks like this year it's probably possible. But you never can count out the Yankees. So I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say and have a good night. Yes, uh, thanks, Mike, for that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and the Yankees have not officially announced any any pitchers for I'm just looking now for the, for the Astros series. You'd have to imagine Cole's going to get one of them because in the lead-up it's Tyone on Tuesday, Herman on Wednesday, Thursday it's Montgomery. So one of those games you're going to get Garrett Cole back in Houston with fans, which would be an interesting dynamic. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I think the Yankees are are out of it. I mean, they're farther back than they were in 2016 when they were sell, sellers at the deadline. So, I think you just do it. You bite the bullet and you do it. But my concern would be this. If Brian Cashman is not coming back next year, if Hal Steinberg is going to let him go, then what incentive does he have to, to better this team? And Cashman's a smart guy. He knows his job is on the line. I'm concerned that he's going to sell the farm, so to speak, in order to keep his job, look really short-term rather than really long-term. This is not a position that the Yankees are used to being in, and Yankees fans are used to being in. I mean, Brian Cashman has been the general manager of the Yankees um, as I'm 33 years old, I think, as long as I've been alive, right? I mean, but before that, Gene, Gene Stick Michael. I mean, that's the team. That's, that's the team that won the, the World Series, the Gene Stick Michael's team in 2009. It's Derek Jeter, it's Jorge Posada, it's uh, Andy Pettit. But I digress. Let's go, Paul, in Floral Park. You're up next on the fan. How are you, Danielle? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Good, good, uh, good, to, good to be at home tonight for once. Oh, you're yeah, not working yeah. tonight? Oh no, no, no. It's my I'm on my weekend now. All right. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah, yeah. As usual. Yeah. So, so um, I think uh, the Yankees can get something for um, Glaber Torres. I think we can get something for Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. You hold on to uh, Aaron Judge, of course. Of course, he's the cornerstone in the team. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe we can get something for uh, Brett Gardner, if, if uh, anybody's interested. Oh, please. Shatman, you hold on to Brett Gardner, I was selling him off three years ago. But I don't know oh, if anybody's yeah. going to want him. Right, right, right. Unless we get uh, minor leaguers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I do think the Yankees made a move. Uh, you know, you saw the Locastro move. I mean, he is kind yeah. of Brett Gardner 2.0. I mean, the guy has speed to to, uh-huh. to waste, speed to burn. He's mm-hmm. an outfielder. Uh, you know, we'll see. Right. Uh-huh. All right. Did you have an All right, thank you. you. You're not uh, on the fan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Back in uh, 1975, um, we finished with the same amount of points as the Rangers did, but the Rangers had, had more wins, so they ended up with uh, a home ice advantage at the best of three. But uh, uh, J.P. Parisi scored the game winner in game three. Yeah, as to how we won that uh, that best two out of three mm-hmm. back in '75, and I was the first uh, to uh, birth uh, to the Stanley Cup playoffs back then. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. There was, yeah, there was always 16 teams in the league uh, yeah, yeah. back at that time. Yeah. Ah. A good point there, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Daniel. Take care. All right. Ciao. All uh, right. <laughs> 
Should we break, Kevin? Should we go go one more? Let's do one more. All right. Let's go in the order that you guys called, of course. Let's go Sal in Jackson, New Jersey. You're up next on the fan. Hello, my friend. How you been? Let's go, Sal. What's up? How you doing, stranger? What's up? How you doing, stranger? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Let, let's, uh, what's your point? Yankee point. You called my show. I got to call yours. So, uh. Oh, Sal. Hey. Yes. All right. I got you. Hey, I've been I've been stewing lately. Uh-oh. And uh I I can't watch no more. It's it's impossible to watch this team. And you you had rattled off the schedule before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And if this team walks away where they're at now, 10, 10 and a half out, they're definitely going to be sellers. And I and I put together a trade scenario. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Either two teams. And I know one team could afford it, which would be the LA Dodgers. Trade Chapman and Gleyber Torres, Corey Seager. Or Colorado to get Trevor Story with the same two uh, combination of uh, Gleyber and uh, Aroles. All right. So, so okay, Sal, so thank you for that. We're, we're playing a little bit of fantasy GM right here. Uh, Trevor Story, let me look up this contract here. Trevor Story, I believe his contract is up. Uh, 2022. So he's got one more year. Okay. Um, Chapman and Torres for see he's the more intriguing one uh, for me. Trevor Story. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would probably do it. Chapman and Torres for Story. I would do it. As far as Corey Seager, I don't know. I I would uh, I would pick Trevor Story over Corey Seager in that scenario. Glaber Torres, I am actively looking to shop. And why not make a swap with the, the Colorado Rockies? They, they, they would like him because he's, you know, under team control, right, for how many more years? Just a few. Yeah, I would do it. Chapman Torres for story. Yep. And that's where we will leave it right now. We are about to take a break. Uh, so let me see this. Let's go with, uh, uh, since we've got a few Astros calls here, Mike and Blaubelt, there is yet another Example of how these Houston Astros are unapologetic about their dirty, filthy, cheating ways. The latest examples, sort of, in a way, affects the New York Yankees. I will fill you in after this short break. What else? Carton after midnight here on the fan in New York City. Oh, we are just cooking, everybody. I'm uh, I'm on till 2 a.m. till Salicata comes your way. Then teased it before the break. Deliver. You always have to deliver. That's like a promise as a teacher in a classroom. You say something, you better deliver on it because people don't let you forget it. Houston Astros might be the most unapologetic team that I've ever seen in sports. Uh, they have again. They've proved why they're the vital mortal enemy. If you guys want to get aboard, by the way, 877-337-6666. Kevin Wall is here taking your calls. Pat Boyle's on his way home. Have you seen the Astros' upcoming promotional schedule? Well, because the Yankees are going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Here are the giveaway par- giveaways at Minute Maid Park this weekend. You ready? Friday, with right when the Yankees roll in town. 
2019 AL Champions Replica Trophy Night. That's a pretty cool giveaway, actually. Saturday, July 10th, 2019 AL Champions Replica Ring Night. Two digs, right? Clearly. And Sunday, July 11th, Jose Altuve Replica Jersey Day. You know, I wonder if that jersey is a button-up or a pullover because, you know, Altuve didn't want it to be ripped off on the celebration after he took Chapman Yard that night. And Chapman was smiling on, on the mound like a, like a moron. That smile that Yankee fans have grown to hate and seen too, way too often. So I wonder if that, that replica jersey is going to be a pullover or a button-up. But hey, you know what? I guess it speaks more to them that they have to give those, let's be honest, pretty cool giveaways against the Yankees on a weekend series in Houston. Hey, whatever helps you sell tickets, right? But with the Yankee, the way the Yankees are playing, it definitely adds some insult to injury. We shall put it that way. 877-337-6666. To your calls, we go. Don in New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Actually, Danielle from Dumont, your hometown. Oh, Don, what street do you live on? Well, I actually live on Walcott over by Madison. I grew up in town. I've been a, was a firefighter for a long time, EMT in town, and I, uh, so yeah. Oh, Walcott, that's where we used to line up uh, in marching band for the uh, Memorial Day Parade. Yep. I, what year did you graduate? I think you're my sister's age. I think my, my sister graduated. She's uh she's 30, 40 now, so I, I'm not sure what year you graduated. Come on, hi. Well, I'm, I, I graduated 2006. I'm 33. Okay. Okay, awesome. What's your um, last name, I Don, if I, if I don't mind? W. Wirtz. Wirtz. Yeah, a mm. bunch of my friends on you. I, last name Brophy and Rance. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know the Brophy's, Bill. BJ yeah, Rance, so I know. Billy, BJ's my age. Bill's my, uh, my best friend. Ah, all right, all right. Yeah. I used to work uh, with Adam Rance at, at Uncle Frank's Pizza, you know. Yep, Adam's <laughs> a cool kid. He's actually in California now. I'm at, we, we, The Ranches grew up two doors down from my family. So. Got it, got it. Don, well, thanks so. for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been actually wanted to call for the longest time, but your hours and I'm usually passed out. I know. But anyway, I want to bring up three Yankee points to you. Yeah. Um, obviously, Torres playing shortstop is not working out. It's affecting his game mm-hmm. by bat, mentally. Mm-hmm. I would personally like to see the Yankees keep them somehow, keep him somehow, move him back to second, and I would love to, for them to make a trade for like Story, if you would, like a Trevor Story. So then that trade for Story? Okay. Isn't I think isn't Carlos Carrera a free agent at the end of the year? Yeah, I believe he is. But wait, wait. So so then I guess then who you're moving? You're moving Void, I guess, because DJ LeMay yeah, obviously. I, I could do. I mean, honestly, I could do without Void. I I think he's just another. Big guy with injury problems. Yeah, you know? I'm with so you. I, I, yeah, you move, to, you know, move DJ to first. You get a guy like Story, move uh, Torres back to second. So that's my first point. Yeah, but wait, the, the problem. Point, one one thing, Don. The problem with uh, with with um, Glaber Torres is I, I don't know if he knows who he is as a as a hitter. And I think Marcus exactly. Sanders has to help him with that. I mean, he's not the power hitter that he thinks he is, clearly. So if he can get no. back to the, the fundamentals and and the thought process of you know singles, doubles, gappers, right. Maybe I'd be inclined to keep him, but I, you know that that is one strategy that that one direction that they could go in. Yes, you're right. Right now, my second, uh, I don't want to get your opinion on this. I do like Aaron Boone. I don't think this this is totally his fault, and I mean it's not his fault with the team that's given to him. But if they do fire him per se, I got four candidates in the top of my mind. And I just wanted to mention the names, and I want to get your opinion. Okay, tell David me. David Cohn, David Cohn, Jason Giambi, Alex Rodriguez. 
Buck Showalter. Actually, mm. you know what? Scratch Showalter. Maybe what about Jorge Posada? Would he be interested in a, in a manager at Cyril's position? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so I just I wrote him down. Cone, Giambi, I'm going to cross right off. Posada, okay. I don't know. I'd probably cross him right off. Alex Rodriguez might have some interest. What about Paul O'Neill? Mm, Paul O'Neill, you know what? I think David Cohn is a very intriguing name there. I think the guy, um, I, listen, I, the other night, over the weekend, I was saying that, you know, because it was a Subway series, Are you? I put a poll up, are you guys watching it on the Yes Network? Are you guys watching it on right. SNY? I sought out the Yes Network broadcast because David Cohn was on it. I think the guy has a really good balance of, of analytics um, and, and gut feeling. I, I would go Der- uh, David Cohn out of that entire list. I think he's a really intriguing name, yes. And I would too, personally. I mean, the guy is very, very smart when it comes to baseball. Yeah, and and, and, and he's that, and he's that type of guy that like a good change that would light a fire underneath their butts, if you will. Yeah, I think you know? so too. And you know what? I always think that the best managers are like catchers, pitchers, shortstops, because they're involved in every single play of the game. I agree with you 100. percent And I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah. You have a third point. I thought you said you three points. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right, Don. Thanks for the call. Yep. Let's go Dumont. Dumont Huskies. Yeah, you know, David Cohn is a really, really intriguing name. I have to, I have considered it, too, myself. Familiarity with the team. There are so many things. And Kevin just gave me a note here. Jami was once finalist for a Rockies manager in 2013. Uh, I don't know, Kevin. That's a long time ago. It was once upon a time, but you know what? He he's made it well known. He did turn down a Yankees position uh, coach back in 2018. So I'm thinking with Cone, he's comfortable in the booth. Um, Giambi just gives you the best chance. Jorge is no shot going to be a manager. I don't think so. Rodriguez, I think, would be interested. But he's going to be an owner though in the NBA. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, David Cone, most intriguing to me out of that list you gave was definitely David Cone. If they move on from Boone, I think that would be a good suggestion there. Okay, let's go to any order that you guys called, of course. 877-337-6666 is the number. Let's go Ben in Queens. Ben, how okay, are you? So this, is, this is kind of a homecoming for me. Uh, I haven't called the week overnight since uh, Tony Page. So. Wow, well, I'm honored, Ben. All right, so, so Coach, here we go. First thing is a weird story. Okay. The Columbus hockey player. Yeah. How, you know, folks, you guys with these fireworks, how do you miss a mortar so bad it goes through somebody's house and kills somebody? That. Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Because they first said he just fell off. Yeah. And hit his head. Right. And then they said, oh, there was a mortar freaking round off his chest. And oh, wow. let me just say this. When those things are lit, they hit you flush, it is not a good day. So he may have been, well, okay, that that's going to get too creepy. Yeah. Uh, it says the initial autopsy determined he died from a percussive injury caused by a powerful blast from the fireworks, which triggered major damage to his heart and lungs. Uh, go like. Uh, let's put it this way. Take a Mike Tyson punch and magnify it by 100. That's what one of those fireworks hitting you flush feels like if you're not ready for it. Wow. Uh, just condolences to the family. Yeah. Um, 24 years old, too. Yeah. For, um, for the Mets, I sent you the tweet. I'm watching the Subway series, 
And I'm just like, is it me or are the Mets better suited to play in Yankee Stadium than the Yankees are? They are. <laughs> they are. That's the short answer there. <laughs> and, and I'm just looking at it like, what bizarro world are we in now where where this is a thing? You know, this this is a thing. And and here's, here's the other thing, right? I look in the Yankees minors. And I don't see the left-handed talent coming up. Mm-hmm. What exactly are we doing in these drafts? Great <laughs> you know? question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, and, and you know what? With the Mets, simply put, they did what they were supposed to do. You took the momentum coming out of that Subway Series, and you just made life hell for your next opponent. Because, let's face it, they were comfortable. Like, okay, we got them. We got they coming back. They scored the lowest amount of runs in the league. They're in the lower tier. And what do you mean the Mets came back? <laughs> right. I know. I know. You know, simply put, uh, you know what? Give, give Rojas, give the Mets credit. They're, they're using this. And, and, and for the rest of the AL, uh, AL, the NL East, here's the scary thing. Alfonso used the Subway Series to get hot. Hmm. Alonzo, Alonzo, yeah. Now, now, now you got to deal with Alonzo for the rest of the year. Good luck. Have fun with that. That's that's good because we saw last year what happens when Alonzo gets hot. So, hey, hey, good luck. You can thank the Yankees for that. That's that's beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. And um, I'm shocked today that Chapman wasn't announced to be on the deal. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the uh, – Justin brought that up, that he, he could be pitching injured. I, 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 I don't care if he's injured or not. Put right. him on the 7- to 10-day DO. That means no all-star game. He doesn't deserve it anyway. All right. All right. Let him figure out how to pitch without the spider tack, right? Go like, give him three straight days with a sports psychologist. Mm-hmm. Go like, dude, figure it out. We don't need no milk baths. We don't need no crying in the shower. We don't need no existential thing. Just you got a hundred and one mile an hour fastball. Mm-hmm. Locate it. Coach, thank you for the time and Pat, Kev, thanks man for holding her down. He's giving you a thumbs up, Ben. Thanks for the call. Um, you know, just one quick correct, uh, correction here. I got a tweet from Carl Semkow. He says Story is a free agent next year. That's what I thought. Trevor Story is a free agent at the uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So, yes, that's what I did think. So, no, in that case, I'm not giving up anything for Trevor Story right now. Sign him as a free agent. That's what I was saying from, from, uh, he's part of that, that, that shortstop class, the free agent shortstop class that's very deep. And maybe you might be able to sign him on the cheap because of that. But yeah, I wouldn't give up anything, uh, too, too, you know, valuable, I guess is the word, valuable right now, sure. But, uh, they, uh, you know what, they have, let's see, did you guys see which team is going to be featured on this season of Hard Knocks? Well, if you're a Giant fan, you might be interested. I'll tell you which team that is coming up after the break. But the New York Mets are in sole possession of first place in the NL East. With the season heating up, follow every exciting moment at MetsmerizedOnline.com. The talented staff of writers committed to comprehensive Mets coverage, Metsmerize brings you exclusive interviews, daily original articles, and great weekly features and in-depth analysis of the minor league system. 
Make Mesmerize Online the go-to place for your Mets fix and never miss a single beat. Grab your smartphones and get Mesmerized today. And Giants fans, you might be interested to know which team is going to be featured on Hard Knocks. Broke uh, late last week the information. The team featured on the new season of Hard Knocks is... For the third time in the series' 13-year run, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Gag. NFL Films said in a statement, the Cowboys are one of the most storied franchises in NFL history and a team that elicits strong reactions from fans around the world. Tens of millions of fans love them, but just as many people love to hate them. Well, that's true. So I guess that means more eyes on the screen. That's for sure. So if you guys want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. Um, theoretically, the Jets could have, and, and and I'm pretty sure that they did, they opt out of it because under the official rules of which teams are going to be on hard knocks or not, they do have a first-year head coach. And first-year head coaches teams are exempt from being a part of that. So um, teams can also opt out if they've made the playoffs in each of the last two seasons which the Jets have not, or if they have appeared on the show in the last 10 seasons. So Rex Ryan's Jets, remember Rex Ryan? Rex Ryan's Jets were featured on the show in 2010. So that's now 11 years ago. And I think probably, and I know it has nothing to do with football, right, but I think probably the most memorable part of that season for me, you guys remember it well, I'm sure, was when Antonio Cromartie could not name all of his, at the time, since more, but at the time, nine kids. He was sitting there, like, thinking he couldn't name all nine of his kids. I mean, that was probably the most memorable thing out of that entire season. Uh, The Giants, though, they've never been featured. They were candidates this past season, just so all the Giants fans are clear. Along with the Broncos, the Cardinals, or the Panthers. Ultimately, the NFL ended up going with the Cowboys. So, I think if you're a Giants fan, and, and I know this is like a baseball town, we've been talking a lot of baseball the past couple of days here, but, you know, with uh, training camps opening up, I think on the 27th for the Giants, I think it is, or thereabouts, this, these Giants, this is Daniel Jones's year. I mean, at the end of this year, I feel very comfortable with saying whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of the future here in New York. I mean, they literally have no more excuses. God willing, all of the players stay healthy. The Giants have no excuses. None. Because they've got Kenny Galladay is, is the true number one wide receiver. They've got Saquon Barkley back at full strength. I mean, he's got all the weapons. Maybe there's a slight deficiency in the offensive line. That that could be the only thing that you look at and you point to if you're the Giants. But offensively, he's got all the tools that he needs to succeed in New York. That's it. You're a Giant fan, right, Kevin? Yes, big big Giant fan. Yeah, this is the season. This is it. No, it's do or die. You know, we gave him the weapons. You know, you're one. You're a rookie. You're going to learn the system. You're backing up Eli Man to begin the year. So 
Well, then there was the coaching change, too, so you have exactly. to give him another season. Exactly, and then you bring in a new offensive coordinator on top of that, uh-huh. and yes, we struggled with Jason Garrett, and yes, there was a lot of frustrations, but you can't do that to a quarterback. You can't bring in a third offensive coordinator in his third year, so let him, let him, let you know, Jason Garrett's system marinate and Daniel Jones a little bit more, bring him some weapons, upgrade the offensive line, upgrade the wide receiver, court, because now you got Galladay, you draft, you draft um, a receiver in the first round, Evan Ingram, who the heck knows what's going to happen. You bring in Kyle Rudolph just in case. I mean, you gave him the weapons. And how the season ended, it was on a strong note. Well, also, too, another thing about the Giants, too, is that when they had the coaching change, it was in the pandemic, right? So they didn't get the traditional, no. uh, you know, mini camp, training camp, rookie camp. Like, they didn't have that. It was all virtual. No, and you can't learn a new offense, Danielle. On, on Zoom. Zoom. You can't. Especially with a, when you're a 24-year-old quarterback learning the ropes yet again. And, yeah. you know, it's do or die. And, you know, we saw what happened in year three with Sam Darnold. I mean, that's a different story because, you know, the Jets did not work around them. The Giants are working around Daniel Jones. So mm-hmm. it's now or never. So... I'm looking forward to it. For the first time in a long time, I'm actually excited yeah. for the Giants season. You know, there's some optimism around the Giants, that's for sure. And you know what? I think if you're a Giants fan, I think the expectation for the Giants is to make the playoffs. That's the expectation. Oh, no question. And it's funny because what you were saying about the Dallas Cowboys, because I'm lo- when I watch the the series, I want to see new teams. I mean, we saw the Dave Campo era in year two in 2002. We saw him in 08 with Romo and Wade Phillips. I want to see new teams. And, of course, like the owners, they have the right to say no. But doesn't it get, like, a little dull? I mean, in 2016 when the Rams came in, they were back on four years later. Well, yeah, right. So, you know, although I really don't like the idea of, like, my team being on the show because it's just it's it's has so many sensationalized and, and just fictionalized storylines because I'll say this. You brought up the Rams. A, a player, I don't want to give away the position, but a player – that was on the Rams team on Hard Knocks. He told me once that he's like, I didn't even know I was part of a position battle until I saw it on the show, <laughs> which of course wasn't true. I mean, like it was. They made it into like he was going to make the team or he wasn't going to make the team, and he was like, I didn't know that until I like made, I watched the show. You learn your fate until <laughs> until you yeah. you sit on the couch after a rough day of practice. And but, but his job was never in jeopardy. He was always going to make the team. So they kind of sensationalized it. Yeah, they hype it up. Yeah. They hype it up, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And finally, you know, as the weeks get closer, at the end of the month, you know, it's football every week. Even if it's preseason, no one cares about preseason. It is what it is. But you're not telling me that you're going to have your eyes on. Like, every football fan that says, oh, I don't watch preseason. I can care less to see the third string. You're watching it. You're watching it. (laughs) You know, though, I think uh, for the Giants, I I think the Giants would have a compelling season on Hard Knocks. They've got some... Imagine Joe Judge on camera. I'm saying. (laughs) Uncensored. Yeah. I mean, I think they've got some natural storylines built in, too, because one, obviously we were just talking about Daniel Jones. Is he the quarterback of the future for the Giants? That's a natural storyline that we are all going to be following. And after a few seasons, no one really knows. But this year, again, he's got no excuses. Number two, I'd be more interested in watching Saquon Barkley back in action after the ACL. I mean, that was so... He, they were in Chicago. He had 25 touches on the season, blows out the ACL. So, I don't know. Either way, uh, we you know, we don't need hard hard knocks to, to, to do all those storylines anyway because you got me and you got Kevin, you got the fan. We 
look at the storylines there. And and for me anyway, they're not fictionalized. It's it's really it's the real deal. And um, we'll see. But uh, the Giants are kind of on the clock for this uh, this hard knocks. I, I'm all in for it as a Giant fan. I, I mean, when you saw the Jets, hands down, the New York Jets hard knocks in 2010 was the most entertaining season of hard knocks with Rex Ryan. I mean, he just knows how to entertain the people. You know, he knows how to talk in front of the camera. Well, yeah. Put him uncensored. I, I mean, he, it was entertaining with the Jets. Yeah. And you had all those players. I mean, like you said, Antonio Camardi trying to name his kids. You have <laughs> LaDainian Tomlinson, Jason Taylor, yeah. the Revis drama. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. And we got a couple of tweets here. Um, and, and you guys can tweet me at Coach MCCARTAN and then 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Um, at Kegler3000, Mike O'Brien, he says, this all falls if the offensive line keeps six, maybe eight, you meant to say eight, keeps Daniel Jones um, upright. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, oh, because he was drafted too. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, so this kind of, okay, I get it. So you're saying that this all falls through if if the offensive line is unable to keep him upright. Michael Inegri says, so true on Daniel Jones. This year, he has to show why he was the number one pick. No more excuses. Yeah, you guys, all good stuff on Twitter. So so if you're a Giants fan, we'll have to wait and see. And, uh, and yeah, so if you guys want to get aboard, 877-337-6666 is the number. Uh, Yankee fans, um, we didn't get to hit this out over the weekend, but you guys have a new outfielder. Yankees have a new outfielder called Tim Locastro. Nice Italian-American, Italiano, Americano. The one thing, though, I'd have to say that he bats righty. A la destra. Pats right, throws right. Uh, that's not what you want at Yankee Stadium, let's be honest. I told you in the open that uh, there have been 155 home runs hit by left-handed batters at Yankee Stadium this year so far as compared to 97 right from right-handed batters so far. So... You know, as you've come to expect, I got my, my pros and cons here for, for Lo Castro. Pros, I, I give three. One, he's fast. The guy has blazing speed. He's, you know, StatCast. StatCast considers 30 feet per second to be elite speed. Well, I'm here to tell you that Lo Castro's average sprint speed is 30.7 feet. Per second, and I know we don't kind of measure things in that manner. So I did the conversion into miles an hour. Lo Castro's speed in miles an hour is twenty point nine three miles an hour, average. It's pretty good. Entered the season not missing a beat in stolen bases. He never got caught coming into the season in stolen bases. He was uh, five for eight so far this year. Last I checked, in fifty five games that is so. Also, he's a plus-plus defender. I was kind of surprised to see this, that he's he's like a natural center fielder, but he can play all three. In center field, he's got a 1,000 fielding percentage for in his career. As a career right fielder, he's got a 1,000 fielding percentage. And as a career left fielder, he's 972. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Right? Career, you've never made an error in center field or right field, I'll take it. And, of course, he makes some outfield depth. Hicks, season-ended injury. Frazier's trip to Yariel. Grandpa Gardner out in center field. I, you know, ultimately, I think this is this is a pretty good deal. 
the one concern, the one concerning thing for me is that out of his prior to coming to the Yankees, he had 118 at bats. Batting average was 178, one home run. Kind of head scratching, but that batting average was well below career average. So I, I'm seeing that the Yankees, Brian Cashman, are, are trying to play the rebound on on the offensive here. But defensively, on the base paths, plus, plus, I would say for both of those things. 877-337-6666 is the number. To Baldwin we go. Jordan, you're up on the fan. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? First time caller. I listened to you for a while. I'm 18, so I just do DoorDash at night. So you're a good listener. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I listen when I can. But uh, I was at the the Yankee game this weekend, and I was just talking to your producer who I was on the phone with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in the Bleacher Creatures, my first time going as a fan, so I was really excited. Cool. And, you know, I got Which game were you at? I was at, I was for, uh, up for Yankee Stadium. I was a Yankee fan. Yeah, which, Saturday, though. Was it Saturday, Sunday? Saturday. Saturday night. uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, oh no, Sunday night. I'm sorry. I was the Garrett Cole start. I'm sorry. Oh, the Garrett Cole start. Okay, got it. Yeah. So I was so excited to see my guy start and everything. <laughs> His body language before the start, I have to say, he dropped the ball. He didn't have the body language that I would think my ace would have. Uh-huh. Very concerning. Yeah. I have a video of him having a catch. He missed the ball, and he literally was going with it with his glove. He batted the ball away like three times. He didn't look like he was ready to play baseball. Mm. And that was very concerning. He let up that first home run in the first inning, and I was like. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we getting here? Is it the sticky stuff? I, that's my greatest fear. Yeah. And then the worst thing is we have Chad Green in, and we're up one run in a seven-inning doubleheader game. You know, he, he faces, I, I kid you not, one batter. And then, and then what if what if Boone do in the next inning? He goes to Chapman. Yeah. There was Mets fans yeah. in my section cheering, we want Chapman. Oh, no way. We can't have that. We can't have that. You know, like, we can't. I have a video of me and my friends screaming, no, no. He's running it, no, please, no. The next video is me and my friends are just drawn face, the home run he lets up. Like, yeah. figures, yeah. figures. What's the answer? I mean, come on. Like, the sticky stuff, do we, can, can, we, can we slide some to Cole and Chapman? Like, his spin rate is down, and Cole's supposed to be our ace. I'm not, I mean, I'm not feeling like that. Why is Nestor Cortez our ace? That's not what's supposed to be going on. Like, we're, we're not paying Nestor Cortez $400 million. We're paying Garrett Cole $400 million to be yeah. our ace. Not like, like, I don't know. I'm just very frustrated, and I just want to see my team win, but I don't think we can go anywhere. And Boone needs to be fired, and it's very disconcerting that Hal Steinbrenner gave him a vote of confidence because it was the last thing he needed because Boone needs to go, and that's the only thing that could possibly spark change, in my opinion. Well, you're, you're going to want to see some spark from your next manager, right? I mean, that would be the number one thing. I, honestly, Jordan, I, I think that this, what's going on with the Yankees is just well above Aaron Boone. Not to say that he's not part of the problem, because he is, but I think it's just much higher. I mean, it's just the construction of this team is just, it's just not good. Yeah, it's very poor, and and I think, like, you're very, you're extremely correct. It starts from the top up, and I am very, I'm a Cashman guy, but you know, I think with a, someone like Theo Epstein out there right now, yes. it's very tempting to go out there and test the waters. And I know some Yankee fans are just, you know, we're very loyal fans, and yes. you know, Cashman was here when we won our rings, and you know, it's going to be hard to let someone like him go. And of course, other teams are going to go after him, and and I don't think teams are stupid. Like they're going to see someone like Cashman go out there. And someone's going to grab him, and that's going to feel bad. But I think in order to move forward, we're going to have to cut ties. And I see a lot of trade rumors for Judge. And I was, we don't need to blow up that bad. I don't right. need to see that. 
we just need to take small steps. We're one or two pieces away. I, know, I feel like every year I'm saying that, but I really feel that, like, as much as it hurts to see us lose, I'm still confident that we're just a streak away and get this team to October, and I know our guys can get there. But I'm going to continue listening. Thanks for taking the call, and uh, have a good rest of the night. Yeah, Jordan, stay safe out there uh, and delivering for DoorDash there. Um, you know what? I, I, I disagree. I think the Yankees are, are dead and buried. In, especially, I mean, look at the AL East. They're 10 games back in the AL East. I mean, that's that's a very surmountable. That's insurmountable, uh, I should say. I mean, come on. Plus, you got that, that Boston Red Sox came out of nowhere. The Yankees have not beaten them yet this season. So, uh, there's that. And, of course, it's the sticky stuff. It, it, you guys heard it in the opening. Of course, it's the sticky stuff that is getting uh, Garrett Cole, the ace, and Aroldis Chapman, the ace closer, into trouble. They're over-reliant on it. Their numbers have blown up astronomically in in the the, the, the uh, delineation date of, of June 21st, which is the start of the crackdown. Their numbers have blown up. I mean, Chapman's pitching, too. I know it's a very small sample size, but, but uh, Chapman is, is pitching to a 60-6-0 ERA in three appearances, three games. And I'm so glad you brought up the bad body language from Cole. Because I tweeted when it happened, it was the top of the fourth inning. He walked McKinney, and this is in the, in the uh, Subway Series. We're talking uh, the, the day game, Sunday day. He had bad body language. He had zero confidence out there. I think it was at that point where he squatted down behind the mound and had his head in his hands. And I wrote, it's just, it's just so uncharacteristic of Garrett Cole. I would have had someone up and throwing after that leadoff walk to come forward. I really would have. And uh, it's just a confidence thing. I mean, talk to a sportsologist, get that baseball in your hands without any sticky stuff on it, and get out there and throw some bullpen sessions and get used to it, which you should have been doing in spring training when no one was watching. But unfortunately, now it's in the middle of the season and people are watching. And uh, that's unfortunate. But he's he's a pitching nerd. He'll figure it out. Chapman, I'm not so sure. And the Yankees making a run, I wouldn't hold my breath on it either. Sorry to say. We've got Kevin Dexter with an update and more of your calls coming up in the next 1 o'clock hour here on The Fan. Get down, Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. It is the final hour of the show, which means this is one of your final chances to get aboard. 877-337-6666. Kevin Wall is behind the glass, ready, willing to take your phone call. Give him a call. Be part of the show. we got Sal Licata coming up next in the 2 a.m. hour coming your way. You know, we've been talking a lot about what the Yankees philosophy the Yankees should do as approaching the trade deadline. They've, they've got some pieces. Tim Locastro coming in. I, I got a tweet from M. Bowers, Michael Bowers, 4234, and he said, you know, crazy take. He said, Sandy has gone after this season. Any chance Cashman comes over and runs the team with Uncle Stevie's money? I know it sounds insane. Well, it's, I don't think it's that insane because you know what? It, one, that would be a Mets fan dream. I mean, listen, Brian Cashman, he knows how to manage in a big market team, in a big market scenario. I just, 
I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. If Steinbrenner lets him go, that is. But I think any job opening with Steve Cohen's money would be attractive to any GM, especially one that has uh, as much experience as Brian Cashman does. I just think that changing a manager at this point in time is uh, it, it would just be a moot point to do that. I think you know, just let the, let the contract expire. You know, I think the Yankees, it all stems from the fact that I think that the Yankees are, are just dead and buried at this point. That's it. Ten games back behind a team in the Boston Red Sox that they haven't beaten yet. I think they're five and eight versus the Tampa Bay Rays. If you want to talk about making, you know, the championship, you want to make win the World Series. I mean, you got to start within your own division first, right? And the other day I looked at it that the Yankees would have had to to leapfrog. For the wild card, four teams ahead of them. Four ahead of them. It's probably changed since then. Maybe maybe not. But that's just way too many teams to have to leapfrog to get there. 877-337-6666. To Cranford, New Jersey we go. Larry, you're up next on the fan. Larry, you there? We've got nothing. Oh, no. Heck. May have fell asleep. No, there's just nothing here. All right, Larry, maybe it's a connection issue. If you want to just give us a call back, 877-337-6666. Sorry about that. He had a Tim LaCastro point. I set it up nice and everything. By the way, New York State dude. New York State guy. Um, we've been doing a lot of baseball talk tonight, which is great, because New York is a baseball town. And I would have to say, that these Yankees are dead and buried. It, it's over. It's done with. The Mets kind of really stuck the fork in them. Talking about the All-Star game at the top of the hour. I mean, the top of the show, I, I made a huge case. I mean, the only Met represented at the All-Star game, Jacob deGrom. I mean, I don't know about that. And and he's not even he's not even playing, that's for sure. He says he's not even going. I, I think that would really be a real damn shame if he doesn't go. I mean, listen, the guy is the best pitcher in baseball. He has to be there. I, I understand, really, honestly, I do understand why he's not pitching in the game because I wouldn't want to pitch either. He's scheduled to start on July 11th, 7-11, and then the All-Star game is on 7-13, two days later, and it's on different. It's in different time zones. It's not nearby. The Mets are going to be in Pittsburgh, and he's going to be pitching in uh, I mean, the All-Star game is going to be in uh, in Denver. So uh, you can't blame him for not wanting to pitch in the game. I mean, the guy's had a couple injuries. He's had an IL stint in, what, April or May that was, some some minor injuries in, in June. But you don't want the All-Star game to, to become or compound any one of those injuries and, and put them on the IL in July or later because the Mets, let's be honest, have their eyes and their sights set on a late November playoff run, which I put my money where my mouth is. I think they're going to do it. And so, especially because you got Brandon Nimmo coming back. I mean, that guy, his first inning on base percentage, probably a little bit less right now because he did not get on base um, in, in, in this game in the first inning. But at 450? 450? That's just real nice from a leadoff dude. He was the spark. 
But in the open, I made a huge case for Taiwan Walker to be an all-star. When you compare his numbers against the other eight starters or named starters, see, I kind of put him into three tiers, honestly. When I, when I did my research here, it, it, it's the top tier is DeGrom. He's not better than him. Then you've got Kevin Gosman out of uh, San Francisco. He's not better than him. He has comparable numbers to Milwaukee's Burns, but Burns has 33 more strikeouts than Walker in, in just three innings less work. So, okay, that's your top tier. No argument there. But where it gets interesting and where it gets sort of gray, gray area, forget the narratives you've been hearing. You could really stack Walker's numbers up against Trevor Rogers, Miami, Zach Wheeler, Philadelphia, and or, yeah, Brandon Woodruff from Milwaukee. So, okay, maybe you're like, okay, yeah, forget about that. How about this? Whether you agree with it or not, here's a black and white evaluation. He is better. Taiwan Walker is better right now than you, Darvish. They have the same win-loss record, but Walker has a lower ERA, lower hits, lower home runs per nine innings, and a much better strikeout-to-walk ratio. Still don't believe me? All right, let's look at the other guy that I put in the lower tier here of NL starting pitchers for the All-Star game this year, Herman Marquez from Colorado. Probably the worst one of the bunch. Walker has a better win-loss record, a lower ERA, and better numbers for nine innings. And are you ready? This is Walker better than Marquez. Better numbers in nine innings in hits, walks, home runs, and strikeouts. So, to recap, Taiwan Walker is better than three pitchers. I'm sorry, he's Taiwan Walker is worse than three pitchers named to the All-Star game, NL that is. Marginally better or comparable to the next tier of three, and outright better than Darvish and Marquez, the bottom tier. Case closed. I'm going to bat for you, Taiwan Walker, because I, I also looked into it. Every team must be represented in the All-Star game. Jacob deGrom technically is the Mets representative in that All-Star game. But it's all up to the uh, the commissioner's office to choose a replacement for him, because he has said he's not playing there but he should go. That's my opinion. I would say to to Rob Manfred, we know he hasn't done the right thing in you know, many different scenarios, but in this scenario, I say let Taiwan Walker be the Mets on-field representative. I mean, he's earned it. The stats prove it. And I did hear on the MLB Network earlier on Saturday, I, I heard them say that Woodruff and Gosman aren't even planning on pitching either. So add DeGrom into that, and that's That opens up three spots. Taiwan Walker, pack your bags. If it's up to me, you're going to Denver, Colorado. And to Austin, Texas we go. Lawrence, you're up next on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call tonight. Of course. You know, I was going to call and say, uh, if it were this time last year, we'd we'd be beat. We wouldn't be making any moves. And uh, now we have Steve Cohen. Uh, So I wonder who he's going to bring in. There was some, like, speculation on the Internet saying maybe a center fielder, maybe, like, uh, Starlin Marte, potentially. But 
Nimmo is hot, so they better leave center field alone. I, I really think they got to go for a third baseman. I'm wondering how you feel about that. Yeah, and that's uh, – yeah, Lawrence, that's what I think. I, I think that if, if – the Mets are going to be in tweak mode. So I think third base would be a position that I would look at if I were GM of the Mets. I would also – I mean, McGill looked good. I would like to see if he can sustain it, but I would also look for some back end of the bullpen help if that if it's me because Carrasco, listen – He's been out on injury. He's a pretty good pitcher, but you don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. Syndergaard, same thing. He's a good pitcher, yeah. but you don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. Especially, You need some depth in the bullpen, especially if you're going to make that late run, for sure. Yes. I agree. I think a lot of Mets fans, too, they're like, oh, we, uh, I want Lugo in the starting rotation. No, I like him exactly where it is, where he is. Keep him where he is. Do you think, Danielle, it's safe to say that now uh, uh, it's the Mets town, New York belongs to the Mets now? For the rest of this season, <laughs> um, I think I think yes. I think the yeah, uh, that's what I want to hear. Woo! Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I think the Subway Series proved it though. They took two out of three of the Yankees, and and I mean the Yankees didn't look good. I mean the Mets really broke out. Oh yeah, we stuck it to them. Yeah, I think so, and I think New York and from Austin, Texas. Uh, yes, and here's the New York perspective. Yankee fans, I hate to say it. Especially here on WFAN, the, the flagship home of the New York Yankees. Right now, this season, it's a Mets season. You heard, you watched on TV, you were there. We had a caller before that saying that the Mets fans were cheering when Aroldis Chapman was in. The Mets fans were loud and proud at Yankee Stadium. You, you heard it when Pete Alonso hit the home run. And I, and I did some some digging. The Subway Series impact on the Mets bats, Right? And so I looked at how the Mets played entering entering Game 1 of that Subway Series, like prior to the start of Game 1 of the Subway Series, versus after the series was over. Well, the Mets broke out the runs. They, they scored a ton of runs. Runs per game before the Subway Series, 3.5. In just three short games, and two of which were seven-inning games, it's gone up to 3.6 runs per game. But but over I mean for the season total but over the last three their average was six point six seven that that more than doubled their average runs per game versus that Yankees team so how's that for painting the town orange and blue their batting average for the season went from two twenty seven which was good for twenty sixth in the league to two thirty good for twenty third in the league. And then their on-base percentage also improved during this Subway Series, or at the end of, at the conclusion of this Subway Series. 306, which is good for 20th before the Subway Series started, it went up to 309. And they moved up to 19th in the league after the Subway Series. But I'm not sure Yankees fans have given up hope because... I love putting up polls. You guys love polls, and so do I. I I vote in every single one that comes up on my Twitter feed. I really do. I put up a poll that says, Yankee fans only please, with a little praying hand, so I hope people abided by that. But I said, between games, I wrote, are you watching and or listening to game two of this doubleheader? Well, it was close, but 56% of Yankee fans, or 56% of respondents in my poll on Sunday said that they were not going to be watching game two. So there you go. And I know people are, you know, 
but that leaves like 40, what, 44, 45% of Yankee fans that were still kind of hanging in there and watching. I don't know, man. But if you were to ask me right now, like he did, yeah, this team, this team, especially with Steve Cohen's cash, I would say right now it's a Mets town. I think Yankee fans are in a position that they're not used to being in. But I think they understand it. I think Yankee fans are really smart. Because on the other poll that I put up, I only put them up for like 30 minutes. Because I like the instant gratification too. I don't put them up for three days, you know. 30 minutes. And I, I wrote complete the sentence. Right now the Yankees should be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. 86.4% of respondents said that the Yankees should be sellers at the trade deadline. And I got, you know, a couple write-in votes here. I got one from uh, Reinhold Brill, and this is at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. He said, I think there somehow needs to be a third option, more or less, of standing pat. I suspect they'll tweak a bit, and if no playoffs come to be, Boone will go. Cashman and Hal are tied at the hip, so they'll stay until he decides to go. And Frank DeMarco, a loyal listener, Frank, he says, neither if no changes in the front office or manager happen in season and could occur in the off season, then don't let Cashman make any moves. So, yeah. I would be concerned that that Brian Cashman would sell the, sell the farm, so to speak, in order to just save his job. With the Yankees, that is. And I had a funny one from Orlando Aviles responded. So the original thing was, right now the Yankees should be, and I put a blank, Yankees should be blank at the trade deadline. He wrote, mathematically eliminated. There is a chance of that too. Because when you look at at the the Yankees' upcoming schedule, I'm going to pull it up right now, Yankees' schedule. They've got, coming up, it's it's a grueling schedule actually. They've got three games at Seattle, all right. Then they got three games at Houston, then the All-Star break. And then let me look at second half. Let me click on second half. Second half of the season, they come back from the All-Star break, and they've got four games versus Boston right in a row, July 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th at the stadium. They haven't beaten Boston yet this year. There's a real chance that they can go 0-10 versus the Boston Red Sox this season. They got two games versus Philadelphia, which I think could be winnable. Probably both of them. And then guess what? They got four more games against the Boston Red Sox and three against the Tampa Bay Rays. So by July 29th, that's the Yankees' schedule. The Yankees would be lucky to go 500 the way that this team is currently constructed. The Yankees would be lucky to go 500 in that stretch. And if you want to talk about the playoffs, the postseason, you got to beat the Boston Red Sox. You got to beat the Tampa Bay Rays. You got to you got to look at the teams in your own division because until you can do that, man, man, oh man, it's going to be a real uphill battle. And Miley Cyrus, we should play. Going to be an uphill battle. If you're a video gamer, or maybe you used to be, EA Sports has an announcement coming up on July twentieth. And rumors are flying on the internet what it could be about. I'll fill you in after this short break. I'll tell you what I think it is. 
I got two hypotheses here. I'll fill you in, especially if you're a video gamer. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the fan till 2 a.m. in New York City. We've got Kevin playing the, the famous Miley Cyrus the Climb song here. And that's, of course, the uphill battle that the Yankees are going to face over the next couple days. A couple weeks, I should say, on their schedule. This is uh, going to be an uphill battle for the New York Yankees. Always puts me in the feels. <laughs> it's the climb, and I don't think the Yankees are going to make the climb, to be honest with you. I think it, in that stretch, I think if they go 500, it's going to be, like I was just saying, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a miracle. And maybe that's just the way it needed to be to force the Yankees to be sellers at the deadline. But I teased it before the break. I'm coming back with it. You might have seen the words EA Sports trending on Twitter sen- uh, Sunday night. I-, I was curious, so I clicked on it. You know, EA Sports. Soon the game. EA Sports is going to have a big announcement on July 20th. And according to the Internet, if you believe what you read on the Internet, they're going to be revamping and reintroducing an existing video game series from their franchise. 877-337-6666 is the phone number if you guys want to talk Mets, Yankees, baseball. But I just I started thinking about the games that have not been updated in a while. NBA Street. Remember that one? NBA Street. That was a good one. I think, I mean, MVP Baseball was another one in there, but I, I don't think that was... Uh, I mean, that's been superseded by by the show, for sure. MVP Baseball does not compare. Unless they revamp it. NCAA March Madness. I got a tweet from at William Gironi. This is one of the two directions I think, I think this is going to go. I couldn't help but notice the timing of this. On Thursday, NCAA announced that players, they will be compensated for their name image, and likeness. They're calling it NIL, Mills. William Gironi tweeted me at Coach McCartan, and he said, Coach McCartan, hopefully EA is bringing back NCAA football with player licenses. NCAA March Madness, I'm thinking, with player licenses. That is, yes, um, that's a direction I think this could go. And I think the players, because think about it, Thursday it was announced that they're going to be compensated for their, their name, image, and likeness. Sunday night, this information sort of leaks out. That's one direction I think it could go. The other direction that I'm hoping it goes in, well, that's great and everything. Oh, my favorite EA Sports game, Fight Night. That, I, I, I've already seen rumors already saying that Fight Night was going to be making a comeback. This just gives me more hope that it's going to be. Me and my dad had plenty of fights in Fight Night. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure if I ever lost, to be honest with you. I love that. You, you train in the gym, and then you, like, in the fights, you use the trainer, and you use a little ice pack on the on the, on the the cheek and stuff and get them back to full health. Oh, my God, I love that game. I just love that game. Me and my dad would fight all the time. But I was always, always Arturo Gotti, and he was always Mickey Ward. Now, I'm kind of too young to really – know about that rivalry, but I learned a lot about it during that because of the video game. So, if it does come back out, Fight Night, that is, 
I will be first in line to buy it. I don't want to, I don't like buying it, you know, downloading it right on the the, uh, the console. I don't like that. I like the, call me old school, but I like the little disc. But I'll be first in line to buy it. Dad, you're on. I'm sure they're going to have an online component. You guys, the listeners, you guys are on. I have PlayStation, though. I'm not an Xbox person, so you're going to have to find my gamer tag. It's at, <laughs> it's not hard. It's at Coach McCartan on, uh, on the PlayStation network there. But my God. If Fight Night comes back, then I was thinking, me and my dad were talking today, because I told him I was going to bring this up. Yeah, obviously you're going to use, I would like to see Mike Tyson in the game. They're going to probably have, uh, you got to have Floyd Mayweather in the game. I hope they don't have those idiot Jake Paul, those, I hope they are not part of the game. But I would like to see Conor McGregor, I'll be honest. And speaking of that, great friend of the show, personal friend of mine through all of this crazy, you know, you never know who you're going to meet and who's going to stick, but uh, Misha Tate is having a comeback fight, me and Kevin were just talking on the break, Misha Tate's going to be having a comeback fight in Vegas on July 17th, coming up, I think she put out like a, 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 a mini-series on YouTube too, I haven't seen it yet, I plan to, I just haven't had time to see it yet, but I, uh, I'll be checking that out, obviously the fight too. And uh, I was thinking about, it's a little late now, but I was going to text her and see if she wanted to come on uh, on next week for the show. So I will try. I know she's quite busy training. If you see her Instagram story, she's training two, three times a day, studying up on her opponent and stuff. But um, I- I'll try to get uh, Misha Tate on, on this upcoming weekend. And spoiler alert for you guys that are listening now, I got another guest. This is a weekend show. I've got a, a Friday morning, 1 to 5 a.m., but I'm talking like my Sunday morning, my regular spot, 2 to 6 a.m. on Sunday. In that time slot, I am. Uh, I have a new guest for my, for my homegrown Olympian segment. If you've been following along, I've got um, interviews on demand. You find them on demand, WFAN on demand. And then if you look on the WFAN Facebook page, there's surprise video, right? First one was to, uh, from Tom's River, Todd Fraser. Second one was from Queens, Tina Charles, WNBA. On the way in, it had 991 views. Let's get that to 1,000. Todd Fraser, I haven't checked. That one had, uh, I think it was uh, 3.8 thousand. And then my next one coming up, I got to tell you, here's a spoiler alert. Crystal Dunn from the U.S. Women's National Team. She'll be coming up on this upcoming Sunday. That's going to be a good one. She's from uh, Rockville Center, New York, so Long Island. So we got Jersey, the one of the five boroughs covered, and Long Island. All Olympians, all homegrown Olympians. That was not an easy task. But I deliver. I deliver for you guys all the time. Ari in Lakewood, New Jersey, you're up next on the fan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Ari? I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for making it. What do you got for me tonight? Um, you know, you mentioned earlier about Cole, his lack of confidence. Yep. So, you know, I feel like, you know, at the beginning of the year, we had like Kluber, you know, and Cole, everyone's going to depend on them, a great pitching. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kluber got like sit out right away, he got injured. So then it was up to Cole. And then now he just like busted out of it a little bit, you know, he's not Garrett Cole anymore. Right. And then I feel like, you know, even with, like, Chapman, it's even worse his confidence. You know, he walks about it, he gives up a hit. It's like his inning's over. He's done. Yeah, 
the whole outing is over. Done. It started, you know, his first one game back with the Twins, and then it just, you know, kept going from there. It just, like, doesn't stop. Right. And, and Ari, and, and, and maybe you missed the, the, uh, the open there, but I got to tell you, this all coincides with the crackdown on the sticky stuff. I mean, when I looked at their numbers before and after that crackdown, let's take Cole, for example. He hasn't won a game since the crackdown. He's 0-3 since June 21st. Batting average against Garrett Cole, and I'll, maybe I'll tweet this on the next break, but the batting average against, because I'm a visual person, I like to look at it too, 186 batting average against before the crackdown, it's up to 274. Strikeouts per nine are down. ERA is like just about tripled. This is Garrett Cole. And the, the, the walks for nine, the walks for nine, is uh is is four point eight as compared to one point two before the crackdown. So Garrett Cole is mightily struggling. It, it's a physical thing because he can't grip the ball in the manner that he's used to gripping it. And 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 Tyler Glass now told you the same thing too from Tampa Bay. He told you. And then for now, I think for Garrett Cole, it's it's a it's a obviously a psychological and a mental thing too. But Aroldis Chapman, <laughs> okay, I know this is a small sample size. But that's what we're working with here. He had 29 games. He appeared 29 games uh, before the crackdown, only three after. But the batting average against is now 556 after the crackdown, as opposed to being 174 before. Home runs, he gave up three before the crackdown. He's already given up two, and two really big ones after it. Probably the two most astounding numbers are this. Before the crackdown, his ERA, I'm going to round up, it's very close. The ERA was two. After it, 60.75. You heard that right. I know it's a small sample size again, but in the three games that Aroldis Chapman has pitched since the sticky stuff crackdown, it's got an ERA of 60.75. And then the other one, the final one, walks for, per nine before, 4.6. After the crackdown, after June 21st, 49.1. That's astounding. So if, if, if you're the Yankees, I want you to meet your new closer. His name is Chad Green. Why did he even, why did Aaron Boone even yank Chad Green after two pitches to bring in Chapman in, in game one of that doubleheader? We'll never know. He was throwing the ball well. He had two pitches to one batter. And then it wasn't like he was hurt or injured or, or fatigued because he then pitched three innings in game two. He had plenty left in the tank. He was dominant in that game two. He didn't give up a hit. Not one single hit. 27 strikes out of 35 pitches. He threw an immaculate inning, Chad Green, to end the game. And Chad Green said about Earl Chapman, Obviously, he's going through a rough patch, but we, but we have no doubt that he's going to work through it and be good to go the rest of the year. Chad Green, welcome to your new role on the New York Yankees. You are their brand-new closer. I think Chad Green is going to be the new closer until the role this time can figure it out. I mean, he's just limping towards the all-star break. I think Aaron Boone is a fool. That's it. No more. I do not want to see that face again. Put him in a lower leverage situation. Make him the setup man. If you have to play him, you make him the setup man. 
I've seen enough out of Roldis Chapman in that face, that oops, I did it again face. Oops, I coughed up the game-winning home run yet again. It's getting old.